Where is peace? We're all searching for peace, every single one of us. And searching by itself isn't really a good thing. Because that does not deliver peace just searching and never getting. It delivers frustration. That delivers anxiety. Now, it's important for us to search, but the object of that search has to be worth it. Has to be worth the search, has to be worth the energy, the emotion, the longing. It has to be worth us. Otherwise, it's just like the carrot at the end of a stick, always striving for and never actually getting less enjoying. Now, by ourselves, we can't find peace. We don't have it within our human selves to find peace ourselves. And God doesn't want us to stay stuck in that search for peace and never actually getting peace mode. And that's why God calls us to Jesus. God calls all people to Jesus. Any kind of background, any kind of language, any kind of ethnicity, class, political background, sexual orientation, gender orientation, all of us, God is calling all of us to him. And in that call, we all change and we're all molded into better versions of ourselves, actually what we were created to be. And one of those aspects is a peaceful life. So it's really good news that God calls all people to him, to Jesus, because Jesus gives us peace. Who doesn't want peace, especially now? We all are searching after it. We all want it. We're all stuck at home and relaxing, and yet also we're not finding a lot of peace. So where can we, where can we find that? What we're going to learn today is that God calls all people to Jesus, and that's good news for us. God calls all people to Jesus, and that is good news for us. Let's get with that um, first section here. God calls all people. You might wonder why the early church is making such a big deal out of the centurion named Cornelius coming to faith. Or you might wonder why it was so difficult for Peter to believe that he could eat all kinds of meat now instead of just eating kosher as he did previously. The bottom line is this. What the story is teaching us is this. Anyone can get in on this. Anyone can get in on this. So this, we're first we'll talk about the dream, and then we'll talk about the real-life story. So Peter, being Jewish, would follow the rules of what you can what you can't eat, just like everyone else. And this is actually one of the main ways that Jewish people, especially in this particular time, how Jewish people were able to keep their unique identity was through these dietary laws, what we're allowed to eat and not allowed to eat. See, Jewish Jew, Jews didn't... Uh, didn't govern their own land. Rome was there. And so there, there is a need for them to create a separate identity to show that we are God's people. These other people are not. And this is what separated them from other people like centurions named Cornelius. And really religious Jews wouldn't even eat with someone who wasn't Jewish. So these laws are what made these people unique, is what made them special. Now, Peter isn't like every other religious person, though. He hasn't accepted the status quo and just kind of like followed it blindly. What made Peter unlike many others was that Peter was following Jesus, and Jesus is bringing something new. He's disrupting the status quo. He doesn't keep things as they were. He makes something new come out of places where we wouldn't expect. And because Peter follows Jesus, Peter's identity has changed. He no longer relies on these outward aspects to keep him unique. Jesus has made him unique by giving him a new heart. It's from the inside out. He's not relying on outward behaviors to say, to prove to others, um, to signal to others, look, I'm so virtuous. In fact, he is made virtuous on the inside and he gets to live that out in a new way. Peter's identity doesn't rely on being religious. It relies on being with Jesus. Those are two big differences. We'll talk a little bit more about what it means to be religious in a moment. But Peter's identity does not rely on being religious. It relies on being with Jesus. And this isn't just true for Peter. 
This is true for everyone. Because what previously separated clean and unclean, all that is done away with. Jesus destroyed that separation. And so now the gate to God is wide open. The dam has burst and now all kinds of people are being called to God. And this applies to food, which is great because I love me some bacon. But even more importantly, it applies to people. And this is where the real life story comes in. So that, that was the dream. And this is the real life story of Cornelius and this centurion. And there's a reason why these are written together because they go together. And this is where Cornelius um, comes on the scene. Cornelius is not only not Jewish, he's a Roman centurion. He works for the bad guys, the government that is actively suppressing the Jews. I mean, was he involved in killing Jesus? Was he involved in that process at all? We don't know. We're not given that information. But most likely, many Jews would think that he's quite far off from actually being a real part of God's people. He might try really hard. He might pray a lot. He might give away a lot of money. But, you know, he's not really part of us. That's how lots of Jews would probably think about this. And that's what everyone initially reading this story would think. Everyone initially involved in this story. It's why they're so shocked, to, why Peter is shocked, why Peter's crew is shocked to hear of, of God coming in the same kind of way to people who weren't Jewish as to people who were. But remember... God calls all people, all people, full stop. And God has been working in Cornelius's life for some time. He's a God-fearer, which is someone who wasn't Jewish, but took on many of the aspects of the religion. He would go to the synagogue. He would pray. He's generous. God has been very patient with Cornelius. And in the same way with, with us, God takes his own time with us. And for many of us, our experiences of knowing Jesus are not overnight and everything changes. It's a long process. And God changes Cornelius, which is proof that anyone can get in on this. And this is why we, Redeemer, plant churches. Starting new churches is the most effective way to join God in this mission of calling new people to himself. There might be some people who are listening now on our website or YouTube or Facebook. And if you're listening to this now and you're wondering, oh, is this thing really even for me or I'm not good enough? Or here, Here's the thing. Nobody is good enough. None of us are, which is why we're here. We know we need something more than us to get in, more than us to deliver the peace that we need. And this is why we as a church are committed to starting new churches because starting new churches, was called planting, is the best way to reach new people. And we, Redeemer, we want to plant churches in Manchester. That means our existing church now will have to grow. We're going to have to hire staff in order for that to grow. Uh, We will start new missional communities as we are starting a new one next week. We will send people out. And we want to plant churches in Europe. We plant churches where Jesus isn't known yet because God is calling all people to himself. All kinds of people, all kinds of backgrounds, irrespective of geography or race or money or any of those things that we use to separate ourselves. So we're working from Charlton, praying that God would use us for the end to, to, to work for the UK to the ends of the earth. And we're doing this in really kind of small steps now as a church. We're partnering with Nuova Vita, which is a church in Salerno in the south of Italy. Other churches really have been part of planting Redeemer. We've been on the receiving end of this, if anything. Um, there's over 10 churches, over 60 people from at least five countries who have worked with us in, in being able to give finances, who are praying for us. In fact, there's way more people than that that pray for us every single week. If you are part of Redeemer, there are, I think, probably hundreds. I don't think it's, a, it's a, too crazy to say too crazy to say anything less than that, I, I th- anything more than that. I think probably hundreds of people are praying for you every single week. How amazing is that? 
That's what it means to be part of God's family. That's what it means to be part of this mission that God is making, to be able to join that. And one day, though we've been on the receiving end of, of being sent out, one day we as a church will be doing the sending. Maybe you will be sent. We're sending new missional communities out. What about sending new churches? What about some of these missional communities reproducing and becoming new churches? Manchester needs more churches. Wouldn't it be great and amazing to be part of that? And we do this because if the gate to God is wide open, we should act like it. We don't do this because it's enjoyable first or fun. I mean, it might be exciting and it might be enjoyable, but it's also difficult to see people leave. It's also difficult to start new missional communities. There are easier ways of doing church, but why would you? Why would we ever want to do this? Because we actually believe these words that we're reading are true. And if anyone can get in on this, then it's really part of our job in following Jesus is to kind of follow where he goes. And here is to people who don't know him yet. And in this story, people came looking for Peter. Who are the people that are looking for God in your life? Many of them, 99.9% of them, aren't going to say they're looking for God. Uh, there's a good quote. It's often falsely attributed, attributed to G.K. Chesterton, who has amazing quotes. I don't know if you know him or not. Um, but this quote is not from Chesterton, but he has lots of other good ones. Uh, the quote is, Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. You may have heard that before. Every man who's knocking on the door of a brothel is looking for God. We're all in a search for something that will deliver us something that's, that's more than ourselves, that's greater than ourselves, that we can't find in ourselves. We're all on the search for something God-like. And we try and satisfy the search by any means necessary, be it brothels or careers or families or friends. People everywhere are looking for God. And our job, as people who know him and who are called to make him known, our job is to come alongside those people who we love, who are looking for God, and to help connect that search to the object that they're searching for. Not to convert somebody, not to have someone jump on our program, but they're searching for something, and our job is to help connect them to what they're actually already searching for. That means listening to someone's story. To listen to someone's story, to really listen and to care for them in this way is the best way that we can love others. What an amazing thing to be able to love others in this way. Now, this isn't going to be easy because there will be people working against this. The religious people will not like it. Acts 11, 2 through 3 proves that the religious people do not like it. And this doesn't just apply to religious people in the church, though that's very much included. This also applies to anyone who holds to their beliefs in this kind of crusty, religious, keep other people away kind of way. There are people who are thoroughly secular and very religious about it. There are people who are thoroughly atheists and are very religious about it. There is such a thing as religious atheists. If we follow the way of Jesus, we will be criticized by the religious establishment, whatever that establishment looks like in whatever context we're in. It might be people within the church. It might be people who identify as Christians. It might be people who identify as not religious at all, but hold to those beliefs very religiously. So inside and outside the church, we should expect criticism. That's going to happen when we transgress boundaries that people are uncomfortable with. So God calls all people. He calls all people to Jesus. He doesn't call people to a good life. God does not call people to comfort. God does not call people to peace. God does not call people to kindness. God does not call people to love each other. All those things are great. 
But that's not what God ultimately calls us to, because that's not the best. God always has our best in mind. And because of that, he calls us to Jesus. Now, calling us to Jesus means all of those things, loving people, kindness, being grateful, a good life, getting peace, all that kinds of things. But first, it starts with Jesus, starts with a person, not with the stuff, not with the byproduct. It starts with the person himself. And Peter starts about this in in, um, verse 34. Verses 34 and 35 says this, Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. And so Peter explains this message using Jesus' life, his death, and his resurrection. See, the start of Jesus' ministry, where God the Father publicly declared in front of everyone that Jesus is his son. Jesus is the king. The Holy Spirit publicly declared his connection to Jesus by descending on him in some kind of bodily form. Jesus was put to death by the very people that he came to save. He was one of them, and yet they didn't want him. He disrupted their religious system, and so they killed him. But that was part of the plan the whole time, actually, as we find out that Jesus' death put to death everything wrong within us, removing our isolation from God. And God did more. He raised Jesus to life. He raised Jesus to a new life, to a resurrected life. And there are plenty of witnesses uh, and those those witnesses ate with him. They drank with him. They hung out with him for 40 days. How weird must that have been? And as the resurrected king, Jesus gives us our orders as his subjects. And our orders are to talk about him with everyone, regardless of their background. We are to talk about how Jesus is who he says he is. And the Father testifies to this. The whole Old Testament testifies to this. That's what the whole Old Testament is about, about pointing to Jesus And all who are lost in isolation from God can be brought in off the street to enjoy a life with him. That's what Peter's talking about. And those who follow this Jesus get the Holy Spirit. As Peter is speaking, these people who are listening to this message, their hearts change. God changes their hearts and the Holy Spirit comes in a very dramatic way. The religious Jews are astonished that these good but non-religious people who aren't Jews are now receiving the Holy Spirit. This is the story of people who had heard about Jesus, who gave him their trust, and are changed. They were once not with God, now they are with him. They were once having to bear their own burdens for their past, and now all that's lifted. As Peter says, like they're forgiven. And they received the Holy Spirit. God himself came upon them. This is for everyone who follows Jesus, if you follow him. And that means to trust wholeheartedly. Not just like a little bit with who you are, but all of who you are, but to put all the weight of yourself on him. Jesus does not turn you away. The Spirit does not turn you away. You may not have the same experience here as Cornelius has. I have not had that experience. Uh, or maybe you've heard other stories of, of dramatic conversions, and which are, are rare, but they often make for good stories and they get retold very often, which is why we hear about them a lot. But regardless of what the actual experience looks like on the outside, What you feel like, all all that stuff is important, but every conversion is dramatic because all of us are on a path and we come into this world on a path that is not aligned with God completely, kind of going our own way. And when Jesus finds us, he makes us new and now our path is aligned with God. God is on this path with us. He's not just saying, go do that thing. He's there saying, come with me. It might go through some scary, dark places. It might go through some desolate and dry places, but God is there. 
He wasn't before when we were on our own, and now he is. And the difference between not being with God and being with God is the most dramatic drama to ever be dramatized. It's the difference between off and on. It's the difference between being like between starving and, and being full. It's death and life, and not even in a metaphorical sense. Spiritually dead people walk their own paths. Those who are alive through Jesus walk on God's path with God. And regardless of what the experience might, might be like on the outside, that internal change of what going, what's going on on the inside is the most dramatic thing anyone can ever experience ever. So God calls all people to Jesus. The Father has appointed Jesus, not anyone else, not anything else. If the God who created everything points us all to Jesus, that means in all the things that we're involved in, we can actually look to Jesus, not just in like spiritual things like showing up for a church Zoom chat or going onto a website and watching a church service or something. It means in your work, we can look to Jesus. We can work for a higher calling and a higher purpose than our own or the people that we serve. And working for, for Jesus means more enjoyable life for ourselves, and we get to serve other people better. We've heard about that through stories of people in Redeemer who work in, in the medical world and how difficult it is now and how they feel like they're supernaturally empowered to be able to serve people better. It's a very common thing to hear about. In your relationships that you have, whether you're married or have a partner or you have, your, have a boyfriend or a girlfriend or friendships, all these relationships, often we use other, these other relationships to kind of suck life out of, suck meaning out of, suck identity out of. But none of those things, none of those people, because they're all human, aren't good enough to get us what we really need. And so now instead of using others, and that might look good on the outside, but really like if we're honest with ourselves, are we using others to kind of get what we want, to have that meaning, to have that identity? Instead of using others, we get to be empowered by God himself to live in a way that loves others in the selfless way that's different than before. And all your plans and all your needs and all your frustrations and all the ways that we just talked about before, before the message about where it's difficult to find peace, we can look to Jesus in all of that. Now, in this time, particular time that we live in, I think there are two things that um, this brings up. One is I think we have unique, this isn't, this isn't rocket science, I think we have unique opportunities for mission, which is exciting. People are watching worship gatherings like this, and maybe this is the first time you've ever kind of watched, watched a church do a thing. Um, if that's you, we're really thankful that you're, you're joining us and thankful that you're a part of this. Um, but for people who are part of Redeemer, um, we have ways of uh, serving and getting to know our neighbors that we didn't have before. We, have, we can have the option to have more communication with our neighbors and what we have before, of finding out what their unique needs are and being able to serve them. And if you can't, then asking the church to be able to come around and help. Uh, where we can grow, I think, as a church is to mobilize better as a full church in, in, um, in this. And that's something that we're constantly in the process of is asking that question, how can we better serve our community? We might be a small church, but we can do big things, I think, when we partner with the right kind of people. So there's unique opportunities for living out the uh, mission and especially in serving right now. But I think we also have unique opportunities for lament. So one might be exciting. This one's a little depressing, and that's okay because this isn't the best time for everybody right now, right? I think we should be honest with our emotions. Emotions aren't everything, but they're not nothing. God gave emotions to us for a reason, and I think we should be honest with them and, and, and honor the emotions that we feel. Now, lament is complaining 
but to God. It's talking to God about where things don't match up in your life. And this is something that we can do together. We can pray for each other. Um, in our conversations with each other, we can talk to God together. We can bring God into the conversation and ask, where is God in all this? Uh, and this isn't going to fix us as if like having negative emotions are always in need of being fixed. But we have a God who is always with us. And where in our conversations can we illuminate that reality? Just think about that. Where in your conversations, your day-to-day conversations, can you bring to bear the reality of God being with us and God calling all people to him? That's something to think about and actually something to, to ask the Spirit to, to help us learn more about as we go in. When we wake up in the morning or before we have a conversation with somebody, like, Jesus, God, Spirit, can you just help me figure out how, where are you in this conversation? It's a really basic thing. And that, that's the whole prayer right there wasn't even 10 seconds. Now, both of these, mission and lament, can go on side by side, and they should go on side by side in the situation that we live on now. And so far, what we've learned was as God calls all people to Jesus, and we've seen how this is good news already, but there's something else very specific and particular that Peter talks about, what we brought up in the beginning of this message. God calls all people to Jesus, and this is good news. Why? Because it brings peace. The good news in this story is peace. Look at verse 36. This is about is Peter talking about what, what God and Jesus are about. Announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Peace is something that sounds good, but we kind of rarely think about, I think. What really is peace? Well, peace is the absence of war. So if, if that's true... And, and this is a message of peace, then who are we at war with? Spiritually, we are at war with God. And once you follow God, that's past tense. You were at war with God. God was at war with us. We not only went our own paths, we did not give God what he rightly deserves. Our focus, our attention, our worship, our, 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 um, our, 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 everything that we are, our identity, our meaning. And there's a price to be paid for that. And that's why Jesus died. He didn't do it just to show off. He didn't do it just to show how, show how much he loved because he won us back. He put an end to that war. And he paid that price, which is a good thing um, because I heard that God's a bit stronger than me and God is not someone I really kind of want to go to war with. But it's not just that. Peace is a, is a biblical term. So it's the absence of war. That's true. And peace is a biblical term. It comes up a lot. And the way the Bible defines it is in the absence of war, yes, but also the presence of flourishing. So negatively understood, peace is the absence of war. Positively understood, peace is the presence of flourishing. It's this word shalom. This is all-encompassing peace. And it's not just that we aren't at war anymore and left to ourselves. We are given a new lot in life. We're given a new life altogether. And this new life is the one that Jesus has won for us. Jesus' resurrection becomes our resurrection, and that gives us peace. That's why we lament to God, because we know he's the ultimate bringer of peace. If he's the Lord of all, peace fits under that umbrella of all. And that's why we can complain to him and ask him to change the way things are, because he's the Lord of it it all. That's what it says in, in verse 36. By the way, all, that covers a lot of ground. So next time you think, ah, oh, God doesn't really know, or how could I talk to God? Like, he's the Lord of all. You can talk to him about anything. All our good days, all our bad days, all our ups or downs, and every time we're somewhere in between, he's the Lord of all that. 
And if you're wondering, oh man, is he the Lord of this? Yes, he's the Lord of that. Is he the Lord of this thing? Yeah, he's the Lord of that thing too. He's the Lord of everything. And now I don't know where everyone is when they think about Jesus, who's listening to this right now. Well, I don't know where you are with him, but for all who search for an end to the war within us, it is Jesus. If you've found, and that's not because I'm smart or I'm intelligent. <laughs> that's just because Jesus has changed me. And listening to his words here, as we're learning about today, that's what it says. It's not what I say, it's what God says. And if you found that the things that used to bring you comfort, that used to bring you joy, that used to bring you peace, are now not giving you those things, you're actually not getting comfort. You're actually getting anxious or worried or you're scared or you're fearful. You're actually not getting the comfort in those things. It might prove that those things were never good enough to give you what you need anyway. Because only Jesus can really give you something deep and meaningful that you deserve. You deserve so much being made in God's image. You deserve so much. And only Jesus can give you that. If you've known Jesus, uh, you're a Christian. Maybe you're even part of Redeemer. What would it look like to bring your lack of peace, to bring those negative emotions, those laments to him? Often those are the things we keep from him. What would it look like to bring those to him? What would it be like to talk to him about where you are and what you need to do? Because it's Jesus. If you want to know how to grow in living a life of mission, maybe just that idea is a bit overwhelming right now. Well, bring that to Jesus. He's the Lord of all and ask him to help. God calls all people and a pandemic is far too small to stop God's mission. It's far too small. But if you don't know Jesus yet, or you want someone to pray with you, or want to learn more about um, what God says in the Bible, and you're maybe you've been reading these words and listening to this message now, and something is resonating with you, you can go to the link that we have down here on the screen, uh, redeemermcr.com slash live. Uh, you, you probably might see that. Um, click on the button on that page that says sign up and let us know. And if you've already signed up, um, thanks very much for that. Many of you have, many of you here in Manchester have. Um, you can reply to any email that you've received. Not a whole lot of people will see it. It's just me, just the minister who sees this thing. Um, and, and we'll sort it. If you want someone to pray for you about a specific thing or to pray with you, or it doesn't even have to be about a specific thing. You just want to talk to God. Um, we have people who would love to do that. If you want to learn more about the Bible, we have people who would love to read the Bible with you and learn about God together. And we do all of these things because these words are true. God calls all people to Jesus. And that's us at Redeemer, and that might be you out there. Do not stay in an endless search of peace without actually finding it, without actually enjoying it. Come find it. We all need to come to Jesus. For those who are part of Redeemer for a long time, those who follow Jesus for a long time, there are parts of our hearts we still withhold from God. What would it look like to take one small, tiny, mini baby step to growing more towards reflecting what these words say to us today? What would it look like to experience and enjoy more of God's peace instead of feeling like you're always searching after it or feel like maybe you have to be better in order to get it or to feel like you're never going to be good enough, so why bother? Or the other side, to feel like you are so prideful about it that um, you don't really think about you know, what that could mean for other people. So don't hoard the peace for yourself. Don't stash it away. Get that peace and enjoy it with others. Let's all come to Jesus together. Let me pray. God, 
we thank you so much for these words. Thank you so much for how you're speaking to us in your word. I pray that these words would infiltrate the dark parts of our hearts that we try so desperately to keep away from you. Spirit, I pray that you would work in our lives, that we would not only see more of your peace, not only hear more about it, but to enjoy it more. Lord, a peace that will transcend our circumstances, a peace that transcends losses of jobs, losses of of friends, of physical interaction. Um, Lord, all sorts of losses we're feeling now. Schedules up in the air. There's all sorts of frustrations, all sorts of anger. Lord, I pray that we bring them to you, knowing that you're the Lord of all. You can handle it. You created this world. Like You can easily handle a few of my negative emotions. So, Spirit, we pray for you to work. We pray for you to continue to fill us, and not with ourselves, but with you. Lord, teach us what that means to be filled with you and feel less of ourselves and more with you. And as we continue to bring ourselves to you through prayer, through reading more about your about the Bible, Lord, we know that we will be able to enjoy more of that peace. And God, for anyone out there who's listening, who doesn't, who's, has yet to experience what that peace can be like, Lord, I pray now that you will change them and they will come to faith and they will be on your path and, and see you walking with them and that their lives would be completely changed for the better. Lord, please save us from living out the status quo, from just doing what we're told and not thinking about what in, what is going on behind the scenes. And I p- pray that spiritually, Lord, you would, you would change our souls, that we would see our, our spiritual care to be just as important as every other aspect. In fact, even more important than every other aspect of our lives. Lord, we pray. And we know we can pray to you because you love us and you take your time, you're patient with us, you're gentle with us, and you're always changing us for the good. So we pray to you. Amen.